Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, Bushman. All of the many names for the giant, hairy, ape-like creature that supposedly roams North America. <laughs> Believers come up with evidence all of the time. It's often found to be a hoax. The same question is asked every time. Do Sasquatches exist? In 1958, construction workers in Bluff Creek, California began finding massive footprints. These footprints were later found to be a hoax. However, the man that imprinted the gargantuan prints started a trend. A large brown or gray biped with huge feet. Bigfoot was born. Lots of evidence in Bigfoot's favor has been found. Unidentified hair and large body prints has been analyzed. Huge footprints with toes ranging from 2 to 13 have been found. Fuzzy or blurry pictures and films have been taken. Odd screams and groans have been recorded. What can explain the Canadian cabins up north, ravaged by something non-human? The sinks and refrigerators ripped from the walls. All of the food gone. Everything else systematically destroyed. However, no one has been able to explain the biggest piece of evidence in Sasquatch's favor. The biggest and most famous Patterson-Gimlin film was recently analyzed by professionals from the History Channel. Their verdict? <laughs> professionals. It wasn't a man in a monkey suit. <laughs> no one knows what the Patterson-Gimlin film captured. No one had ever seen anything like it. It was obviously female and it was nearly eight feet tall. It walked with a peculiar rolling gait, arms swinging jauntily with a crouching jauntily. stance. And it covered nearly four feet with each long stride. Whatever Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin found, it hasn't been captured in such detail since 1967. If Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson found a Sasquatch, why hasn't anyone else? Where are the dead bodies, the fossils, and the scat? <laughs> People often claim to have found dead bodies, but every claim so far has been a hoax. In conclusion, the question comes up again. Do Sasquatches exist? Evidence has proved and disproved itself. Hoaxes have been unearthed. Bears have been misidentified. Yet, I've come to the same conclusion that qualified animal experts from National Geographic and the History <laughs> Channel have come to. The theory of Bigfoot is possible. There could possibly be a Gigantopithecus descendant wandering around <laughs> or in Washington or California. That's it? If you're wondering what that was, Rachel, why did we just listen to a long and badly written essay about Sasquatches? The answer is that today's podcast episode is about writing. And that was one of the first essays I ever wrote. A masterpiece. Yes. And that was only some excerpts. And it wasn't there even were... a clear answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe. So today we're going to talk about writing and some of our advice on that because we're both writers. She does, she does more prose stuff and I do stories and screenwriting and stuff like that. So Rachel, was that the essay that launched you into your writing career? I wouldn't say that's the essay that launched me into my writing career. Not that it's a career or anything, but... Right. My writing career actually started when I was probably four. 
when I illustrated a book about a living slice of watermelon. And I dictated the story about the living slice of watermelon ah. named Phoebe to my mother who wrote it down. So I'd or, say that was really my- tradition. Yeah, exactly. I'd say that was really my first big story. You know what I mean? I thought it was my big break. And uh, sadly, it was not, but it should have been. I don't know what my first story was. I just remember I would always like go through notebooks just writing stories that were usually completely ridiculous. Yeah, they were usually based in some sort of historical time period, of course, because I'm a history nerd. And they usually followed like some girl who was the daughter of a famous historical figure, you know, from her perspective. There was this one time I tried to write an entire series based in a fictional country with a fictional language so like their names were all gibberish and I even like made up words for them to use. Wow. Do you have any specific examples of this language? I don't remember it but it was on my school computer. It was like this really old laptop and my dad sold it in a garage sale kind of without asking me first and so there went all of my stories with it sad yeah all i remember is it was based somewhere in south america (laughs) (laughs) that's all i know south america (laughs) yeah so when i was around 10 or 11 i remember me and a friend of mine got involved with this thing called nanowrimo Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but yeah, it I stands have. for National, National Novel, Writing, Novel Month. Writing Month. Yeah. So we got involved with the junior version of that when we were probably 10 or 11. And I did it three years in a row. I never wow. finished a novel, but I developed some definitely interesting stories. Yeah. I know you just mentioned you went down more the historical fiction route, the globe traveler at heart that you are. Whereas I tended to stick to fantasy Because I grew up obsessed with, like, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and all that. So mine were all set in the woods with lots of elves and magic was always there. Have you seen Onward yet? I haven't. It looks so good, though. It is. It's really cute. It's like mythical creatures in modern times where, like, magic is stuff of old and these two brothers kind of learn how to use it. It's cute. Yeah, I saw the trailers at... I just almost knocked my computer into oblivion. So what, what's, what's an example of one of these fantasy stories of yours? That's what I was just trying to remember. There was one where the main character, of course, is an adolescent girl, because who else would the protagonist be if of I'm course. writing it? And so she's human. She's just kind of a random peasant from who knows where. And she gets dragged into this civil war in her country between the oppressive government and the secret rebellion of all the magic creatures, right? And so she gets dragged into it and she ends up in this elven camp where all of the houses are up like a hundred feet in these huge trees. And she goes through rigorous training and becomes basically like a warrior princess who leads the rebellion. It was very stereotypical elven fantasy wonderland type deal. Honestly, it sounds kind of cool. It was dope for like an 11 year old. I think if I read it now, I would cackle a lot. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of glad that that weird story is lost forever on wherever that computer is. It's probably destroyed now, but yeah, that was my weird 11-year-old story attempt. But yeah, it was about these like seven sisters who are orphaned and try- just trying to make it. And they're in South America and it snows. <laughs> <laughs> I love Their mother that. gets lost in a snowstorm and it's super dramatic. Wow. I don't even remember 
Ooh. So this one time in eighth grade, I had to write a story, a short story for school. And uh, it was about these two fish named Bubbles and Finsley. And they had <laughs> to, it, it was just a, a cute little story for school. So I didn't really care that much. There was this one part where I said this one fish was swimming away from the bigger one, but the word B in bigger I accidentally pushed in instead and did not <gasps> catch it at all. And then no. sometime later, my mom was reading through it and I was in the next room and I hear her go, <gasps> and I walked in. I was like, what? It's not that bad, is it? Oh, and I didn't know what it meant, but I knew it was bad. Yikes. But it ended up being a kind of cute story. Pretty weird. They find like a crashed ship with a treasure chest in it, but the ship needs to get, I don't even know what happens, but they, they like remove the treasure from the ship and the ship floats back up to the top. Aww. Clearly we did a lot of writing as children, but when did you decide, Kiri, that writing was something that you wanted to keep doing sort of as an adult? Uh, probably when I started 404, like and subscribe, error 404, show not found, because I had all these ideas for sketches and things like that. So I had to kind of teach myself how to write a screenplay and all of my experience trying to write good stories before college helped me kind of know how to formulate a good story. So that helped. Not that all the sketches were good. <laughs> there are definitely some trash ones. Yeah, so I think that helped. And honestly, I really like it. So my philosophy now is like, when you have an idea, just write it and then maybe it'll be an actual possibility when you come back to it. So Air 404 is a sketch comedy show, so I've just been writing a lot of comedy lately, but I have been trying to kind of branch out a little bit, touch on different genres. I've Last summer, I outlined a mystery series or movie or whatever, I'm not really sure, just to see if I could do it, and I started trying to write it. Of course, the outline was all just like plot stuff. It wasn't dialogue or anything like that, so it's not good yet. The dialogue is all expositional and clunky right now. Right. But, I decided to go ahead and start it just to have it. Right now, I'm attempting to write some kind of sci-fi thing. And I think, I don't know, I like this one a lot better than the mystery one, honestly. We'll see if any of those ever end up becoming real. What's the most daring thing you've attempted as a writer? As I've sort of developed as a writer, I surprisingly have really leaned towards nonfiction, which is really interesting because I hated nonfiction as a kid. All I read was fiction. You write an origami book. That's nonfiction. A cookbook. <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought nonfiction was so boring. But now that I'm studying communication and doing a lot of writing, both for classes and outside of classes for personal endeavors, probably the most daring stuff I've attempted has been opinion writing within mm. a news perspective, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I was an opinion columnist for our university newspaper my freshman year. You were? And that really... I was, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, surprise. Um, I actually have done a lot with that newspaper. I started just as a reporter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Writing super basic stuff like world events, campus news, stuff like that. And then I moved into opinion writing and slowly that developed into social and cultural emphasis for me. So I did a lot of 
dialogue about stuff that's going on in our society right now. And that really pushed me because it's hard to write about that and be respectful to everyone you're talking about while still getting your point across and developing your voice as a writer. So that's really pushed me within the media world as a writer. You know, we've talked about this. I went through a phase where I wanted to be a journalist. And so like, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Just like write about all the stuff that's happening. I may not have been brave enough to be an opinion writer, but writing stuff in an unbiased way as much as possible, of course, was something that I wanted to do because I had seen just how, I don't know, often overdramatic and like super biased newspapers can be. I was like, I just want to, I say newspapers, like I actually read newspapers, but like news stations and it's like, I want to be better than that. Right. I'm going to be different. Yeah. I was that kid that was always running around with a notebook, like writing everything down, kind of like you mentioned. But yeah, like from a young age, I I was always like, yeah, I want to be a journalist. I want to be a communicator. And maybe that was influenced by me writing stories about watermelon. And maybe that was influenced by my mom being a language arts teacher. I don't know. But yeah, I've always loved reading the news and writing both fiction and now nonfiction. And it's a crazy world. As far as nonfiction is concerned, I honestly really like writing academic papers because it requires research and learning new stuff. And I love learning new things. Like right now, I'm doing a research project about color categorization in different languages because different languages have different ways of categorizing colors. So like basically I'm supposed to replicate a research project and the one I chose, they took two different shades of blue, one lighter and one darker, and put them next to each other and had English and Japanese speakers rate how similar they are. And the Japanese speakers, because in Japanese, there's different categories for light and dark. They basically rated them as completely different colors, which is really interesting. Hmm. Anyway, interesting stuff like that and like doing biographies and stuff like that, like writing about people's lives and like historical times. I always love history. That is the go-to besides brains. Brains are cool. No, I love research and that might be the journalist in me, but yeah, I feel you. I, for the most part, I enjoy academic papers because of the research and I think that was also why I was so excited to start a podcast with you is because I've been yeah. a podcast nerd for years now because I love learning fun facts and random stuff I would never learn otherwise. And so it was kind of fun to do a podcast where we get to share our experiences, but also do more research into the mm-hmm. field we're in so that we can share that with other people. Yeah. So, hey, listener, we actually do a lot of preparation before this. because Yeah, if you just- we just uh, normally record very late at night, which is yeah. why we're so scattered. <laughs> yeah, right now it's late afternoon, a week after our first week of online classes after the coronavirus thing. Hence so the crazy We haven't audio. recorded in a while. Yeah, our audio is a little weird right now, but you'll get used to it or we'll get better. We'll see. <laughs> We're in the process of problem solving, which we've talked about on this podcast before. It's Mm -hmm. necessary in media way too often. (laughs) That would be the last episode we recorded five weeks ago. We we haven't recorded in so long. Uh, We took took two weeks off for busy reasons, not knowing the school was about to shut down. And then we actually did have two weeks off. And then we had a week of online classes. And now we're kind of like, okay, let's do this. We're getting used to it. So I have a game for us. Do you have something to write with? I can. Hang on. Or maybe... Ouch. You okay? Actually, maybe it would be easier to just type. 
What? Well, I was saying I haven't you- heard anything you said in the last 30 seconds. So we're going to play a game. I have a random word generator pulled up, and that one random word is going to serve as our prompt, and we're going to have one minute to write something based on that prompt. Let me share my screen with you so you can see the word. Okay, the word is combine. Go. One minute later. That's for the edit. Time's up. Okay. Would you? Who wants to go first? Go for it. Okay. I say, add three cups of sugar and a teaspoon of flour. When you combine the mix with water and egg, you will end up with a boring cake for your boring party, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I went a slightly different route. I had a much longer story in mind, but then a minute felt a lot shorter than it normally does. So following that theme of combine, I have Carla stared longingly into the depths of the cupcake. She could swear it was calling her name softly, but surely. But then there was the problem of the ice cream cone it sat in. Who would combine such a good thing with such a bad thing? That's much more eloquent than mine. I just love that you went with the Karen route. It was when I added the words boring. I was like, you know what? This should be an insult. See our next word. Cover. All right. Go. Uh, Time. Okay. Mine is... Nonfiction. Some of you may not know, but the song I Will Always Love You, famously sung by, I think, Whitney Houston. Is that who it was? Yes. Yes. In that one movie is a cover of Dolly Parton's original chill version of the song. Whitney Houston brought 82,659 times more soul into it, therefore making it a more famous song. No way. It is, that is true. You can fact this check that. This is why that. I love podcasters. <laughs> Following that theme of cover, I have Take Cover! Elena screamed frantically as she dove headfirst into the bushes. Panting heavily, she wondered if this was it. Could it be the end for her? No. She refused to accept defeat. Elena sped out from behind the bushes and over the fence, but it was too late for her. A Nerf bullet struck her in the shoulder, ending her bid for freedom once and for all. Yours are so dramatic. I try. This is my inner dialogue. I hope you know, like, this (laughs) is how I go through my days. (laughs) Rachel typed on the computer, waiting for the clock to count down. The minutes got closer and closer to zero. She panicked. (laughs) Okay. The word is ample. Go. Uh, time. This is going to be hilarious because I did not finish a sentence. So Yeah, this is rough. <laughs> ample. <clears throat> We're out of ammo, Captain, shouted the first mate through the roar of cannons and gunfire. We should have ample supply below deck, the Captain retorted. The first mate replied, yeah, we should, but Derek... <laughs> and I didn't get to finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost funnier that you left it as a fragment. Yeah. We should, but But. Derek. That's funny. You and I kind of swapped writing styles for this one. I think we inspired each other. Probably. All right. My story concerning the word ample says, quote, Man, I hope we have enough trail mix to make it through this hike. I mutter to myself while tramping up the mountain. As I sit down to catch my breath, I reassure myself that I've packed ample supplies. As Gus follows me, though, I see him throw an empty package off the side of the mountain. My heart sinks. We both used the phrase ample supply. That's funny. Uh, I guess that's the most common context we hear it in. Last one. Here we go. The word is leg. Go. Go. (laughs) Time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> here's here's mine. Hey mom, can you pass the turkey leg? Chad said with his mouth full. <laughs> no, you've already eaten both of them, she replied. Chad spat out the remaining turkey leg that was in his mouth, and I didn't finish that sentence. That's beautiful. Mine says, Ah! I followed the screaming, sprinting around the corner of the blog. I meant to write block. There I found her, my little sister, with her leg caught in a bear trap. I panicked, knowing exactly what it meant. Shia LaBeouf was near. What? Have you not seen that video? I have, but what? There's a line in it. This is me educating both you and our listeners that Mm -hmm. I have had that song on my fall playlist two years in a row. (laughs) <laughs> only it's like it's basically a rickroll for anyone that's riding in the car with me right like we'll be driving along and then all you hear is you're walking in the woods and blah 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 blah, blah. so i know this song really well is what i'm saying but there's that part in the shia labeouf musical thingy you should do a cover of it i should where the announcer goes but ah your leg it's caught in a bear trap gnawing off your leg quiet quiet anyhow the post prod pod edition of the shia labeouf song is coming to a spotify near you any day now so we've both been writing for a long time we've established that but uh what are some of your tricks for writing because like for me it's always outline first which is really hard sometimes (laughs) because it's like no i just want to jump right into it but no just outline it so you have a plan and stick with it well no you don't have to stick with it because sometimes you'll see that something doesn't really make sense so you may want to change something here and there but it's helpful to know where you're going with the story it helps with writer's block too so you get all the writer's block over with in the outlining segment of writing a story especially if you're writing a big story like a novel or a movie screenplay or an entire tv series or youtube series or whatever and especially for papers as well because those need to have a good structure to them so it's not like oh by the way this thing and then oh and this also and all the way over here remember that well this is also related to that even though it's five paragraphs later yeah outline first make sure everything is well organized if you're writing an academic paper but if you're writing a story you got to have that flow of the story see my hands on the screen that's my pro tip i i totally agree i think outlining really helps whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction or mm-hmm. for screenplay or for a personal blog outlining can help but also if you get through your outline and you still feel like you have some writer's block i usually just pick a section of my outline usually that i feel most equipped to try to work on And I take that section and I just free write. And so I just kind of dump all my thoughts into that section of my outline. And usually once I get through that, then I can sort of take those sentences and sort them where they actually belong within the piece that I'm writing. How do you like come up with an idea? Um, Within what? That's a really vague question. (laughs) Like when you're suddenly like, oh, I have a story idea. Like what situation are you normally in when you come up with an idea for something to write? I usually stick it in my phone, like my memo app or my notes app, depending what kind of phone you have. And then later on when I have time to actually think and I'm near a notebook or a computer, then I'll, I'll pull up that idea and I'll sort of dump out like, okay, what would this idea look like on a sheet of paper and not just one sentence in my phone app? For me, it's usually like I come up with a line that's like, really epic or usually really funny 
and I like try to think of like, okay, what kind of character would say this and in what situation would someone say this? And then I base a story entirely around that. Or sometimes like I'll come up with a character and I'll think, okay, I need to put them in a story. So I write a story around that too. So sometimes it's coming up with an idea for a character, sometimes coming up with an idea for a line and then like putting those in appropriate situations, appropriate stories, context, or just like a concept that I come up with like, oh, an old grandma tells her stories to her kids, but it's not what they think. And that series is canceled now because we can't finish it, which is sad. Uh Anyway, so that's the idea. Of course, I add in all the like actual work, outlining and stuff. Yeah, something else that I think helps is don't be afraid to lean on other writers or people in media in your direct vicinity. Like, if someone has a good idea or writes a good thing, don't be afraid to take some inspiration from them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, plagiarism is not cool. But if, if they're writing a cool concept and you're like, oh, well, here's how I interpret that. I always say like writing and media are very much a community and we find inspiration and we create art together. And that's how we sustain creating art for long periods of time. Um, Because otherwise you just get stuck in writing block forever. Or sometimes I think of a genre that I want to try out. So like sci-fi, like, okay, I'll try that. Or mystery, I want to do that. I just want to see if I can. Yeah, but also don't be afraid to use a dictionary. That's yeah. Learn new words so you have just the right word. And if your reader doesn't know what a word is, they can suck it up and look it up. Suck it up and look it up. <laughs> Reader's motto. Something else too, especially if you're writing fiction, is look at the world around you. Look at the real world. Stay connected to current events and the cultures around you because those can actually really feed into your inspiration for the worlds you're creating in your head and on paper. Yeah, and especially when you're writing fiction, like just build the world in your head. So like how do they go to the store or like how do they get from place to place, you know? So just thinking about stuff like that, like what is the family dynamic? So just thinking of as much background as possible really helps with world building and like you can add, you know, facts for your readers as it's appropriate. And the number one thing to remember is that it's never going to be perfect. And the biggest critic is yourself. If you actually get to release something that you've written or publish something that you've written, some people aren't going to like it. And you know what? They can get over it too. Yeah. You don't know them. They don't know you. It doesn't freaking matter. Right. And that's what's been encouraging to me too, is remembering that as writers and as artists and as producers, we're always growing and we're always developing and we're always learning how to be better and look at our work through new perspectives and so obviously like we're sharing how our brains work concerning writing right now with Mm y'all and by no means are we super authoritative sources we're just absolutely sort of brain dumping our experiences and hoping that they can be helpful but i guarantee you if you talk to kiri or i two years from now we'll definitely have elements of today that we are still using in our writing and we'll definitely have new things that we've learned that have helped Mm -hmm. us as writers. And the thing with writing is you never just get it down and then that's it. You're skilled. You've got all the skills. You're going to be perfect at it forever. No, no, no. You always improve. Mm -hmm. And the thing with writing is you always got to practice. 
practice writing well and no twitter does not count <laughs> now, well, you- I feel like I feel like you just subtweeted me in my own podcast. No, if you can write a succinct sentence that is just absolutely powerful in 280 characters, then you're golden. But it's not advised. Yeah. So this has been the first episode of our quarantine edition of the post production podcast, which explains our audio situation. Yeah, we hope you're staying safe and staying healthy and using this time in quarantine to catch up on your favorite post-production podcast episodes. You should be following on Spotify if you're not already. We would love it if you would smash that follow button. Yeah. You can also check out our brand new website, which Kiri did a great job designing. It is postprodpod.com. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so there are lots of episodes you can listen to while you're, you know, bored and, like, wanting something to do while you're at home. Uh, But the important thing is that you stay safe and stay healthy and stay home. And uh, we'll we'll get through this thing. What do you say? Absolutely. Yeah. So we will hear you next time. Or you will hear us next time on the... Post-production, Post-production podcast. podcast. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye now.